0: welcome to the occult london podcast this is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic mysticism the kabbalah as well as other topics if you like the podcast please write a review and rate us on itunes as it will really help us to get this message out there also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to answer them, so please do reach out via Facebook or on email, and you can find my Facebook on the show notes, or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. hope you enjoy it. As we've seen over the last couple of episodes, we have been discussing the, the layout, symbolism and significance of temples within the western mystery tradition as well as covering some of the aspects from a historical perspective and then also symbolism so things like the the altar the lamp um and other pieces that are kind of go into that layout of a temple um in this episode today i wanted to continue on with this where we with a kind of discussion and more around the use of robes and ceremonial clothing within that um, arena and so yeah because it's obviously very important in lots of traditions uh, particularly spiritual traditions in terms of looking at different robes and different you know garments and things like that as being a kind of representation of putting off your your worldly attire and putting on the attire of this the other worlds obviously robes are garments you know they're worn for the purposes of performing various different um, spiritual work including solo groups um, as well as you know other areas often they'll comprise of a you know, a long robe that the priests would be wearing. Uh, Sometimes they would wear headgear as well and then also like a belt and a sandals but those are the kind of the main things that would normally incorporate into that. Often they'd also be in different colours with different symbolism and meaning and really the The concept behind this is obviously in our everyday lives, we wear different masks depending on the occasion and adapt our different personalities depending on what we're doing. In magical work, this mundane personality or mask can become a hindrance. So when we are in this sacred space, we adopt a magical personality that is tuned into the sacred aims of the right. Since probably the dawn of time, I think humans have you know adopted various different types of ceremonial clothing and it's obviously been given a very high place of importance um in terms of you know that connection with the god or the patron or the deity of your village or your where you live and and also kind of as a as a mark of authority or or superiority and this is something that william gray talks about in his book um temple magic, when he says the following, Possibly the primal motivation behind any sort of clothing at all was differentiation or distinction. That is to say, clothing served as a mark of authority, rank or superiority over others of the tribe who would recognise this visibly. Among a herd of humans, leaders would feel an overpowering need for something that would proclaim their power and position at a distance, and enhance their importance. In our modern phrase, ego boost. At first, this was probably something stuck in their hair, such as feathers, or carried in their hands, such as sticks, which later developed into ceremonial staffs and scepters. Later, hunters would drape whole skins of the animals they had killed around their own bodies, first to proclaim their abilities publicly, and then to protect themselves from adverse weather or disguise themselves for future hunting. It must have taken many millennia before the convention of clothing was established among humans but it became so instinctual that it is not likely to diminish at this distant date. Clothing became a sign of rank and distinction. So as you can see from that we are very much um, focused on rank and distinction in terms of what we would need to do um, to, to become this priest obviously the people would be would gradually be kind of distancing themselves from their kind of more mundane personality and assuming this more kind of powerful um, personality or magical personality through taking on a specific item of clothing. Probably um, the oldest form of ceremonial practice probably would have used just nudity. And, you know, this is obviously used quite a lot still in terms of neo-pagan and some of the kind of Wiccan communities as well. And... You know, it was also followed by some of the Christian sects as well. So you get like the Adamites who claim that um, you know, that was the, how we were in the Guardian of Eden, therefore that was how we should have been. It's likely that the some of the earliest ceremonial clothing is likely to have been kind of developing into a into an apron. And that's often what you see in terms of the development from you kind know, of naked to the first step you would do is actually Start covering your, um, you know, generative organs from that point of view, because that's kind of a, a, the weakest point, I suppose, um, where you feel the most isolated. So that would be where this you start to see the beginnings of ceremonial clothing and robing with regards to a, an apron that probably would have had, you know, special symbols on it, and it also has connotations, obviously, with service and working, um, you know, with your hands, so doing a doing a service to humanity. Um, obviously esoteric religious ceremonies you know later became services so again that links in quite a lot with this idea of an apron and using your abilities or your strengths to serve your your fellow man Um, so for instance a fighting man or a warrior would offer his skills in the service of the community or the arms of services and Obviously, the Pope has the title of servitor servientos, or servant of the servants, and a a motto of the Grail is also, I seek to serve. So even, um, yes, all of these things connect up with this concept of service, which very much became kind of a real key aspect of the goals of the priesthood. White lambskin is meant to have been one of the earliest materials for the priesthood of these days, signifying obviously Christ, but also the the idea that the wearer is offering themselves up as a sacrifice for the betterment of mankind. And you know, that's very much in relation to this concept of the of the apron and the concept of the square as being kind of the perfect shape that you know represents this relationship between man and the divine. So why would you wear robes? So, I mean, obviously robes of different colours are important in linking the individual with, with different concepts, and also from a Kabbalistic point of view, it would be relevant in terms of linking uh, you with a specific Kab- uh, Sephiroth of the Tree of Life. So, for instance, if you wanted to link him with... You know cassed for instance you could wear a particular deep blue or if it was for Tiferet, you could you know wear a gold robe or with netsack with a green robe. Um but as we said before the main the really the kind of prime reason for wearing robes is this screening off the personality of the of the operator. So it has a very strong power of auto suggestion which keys the person wearing a robe into the mind of the operation in hand and it also establishes a link with the school or group that you're working in as well so the, the the clothing you wear becomes charged with an etheric energy and a magnetism which helps the the magical work to be accomplished um they're not really meant to be worn outside of that sacred setting either so there is a story about one of the actresses from the golden dawn who um you know wore her robes to a big fancy dress ball which um you know, it was kind of heavily frowned upon at the time. And it's generally it's generally not a good idea to do that because obviously, every, as we saw in the Four Powers of the Sphinx series, one of the powers is to be silent. And if you go round dressed up in, in magical robes every single day, then you'll tend to find people, A, think you're a complete weirdo and B, will... Laugh at you, and those that that can start to kind of seep in. So it will start to be a distraction from the actual real purpose of the magic, which is to try and screen off your personality, connect up with that higher self, and really bring that power through. But if you're if you're thinking about what people think of you, then um you know that's that's going to hinder you, and it's also going to draw you down into the personality more. So you're not going to be as focused, and you're going to be more self conscious um and yeah i mean in terms of the sort of the western mystery tradition there is you know lots of different things from that point of view so it obviously acts as a screener of the personality um it's also kind of almost like an auto hypnosis device um also a protective device as well so it's kind of shielding yourself from outside influences which may attack the body through astral or, or other other areas you have these concepts of the inner robe of glory and the outer robe of concealment as well in the western mystery tradition the inner robe of glory is normally a, an inner robe that we would wear often it's um white and it represents this true spiritual light at the heart of the individual so our own uniqueness also represents Hochma and the kind of divine energy of the divine enshrouded in matter so if you can imagine the energy of Hochma just kind of exploding in this divine spark and that's really what that kind of inner robe represents ac highfield who's written an excellent book called the symbolic weapons of ritual magic said the following the inner robe of glory is the life spirit of the magician, the vital spark that burns within, and it is symbolically embossed with symbols, expressing his total dedication to the great work. Force contained by form, and form ensouled by force, are personified by the symbolic inner robe of the magician. So what he's saying is, you know, outwardly we may all look alike, but inwardly we're all distinct from each other and God alone knows the difference. So this this robe that we're wearing is really that significance of that mystery to us, essentially. And yeah, so and then that's obviously the um the inner robe of glory. Obviously the next one we do discuss is the outer robe of concealment. So this is really represents the outer shell and the cloak of being around the shroud of life around the inner life principle. So it's closely related to the sea of darkness, the you know the unconscious, and this very kind of enshrouding dark sky. So I kind of almost think of it as a dark sky, like um, you know that really kind of wraps around you. It's also the personality, and also means to kind of hide the lights. So it's hiding the bushel, as Gray writes about this. The upper and outer garment represents the intended bodily appearance of the wearer while the inmost one stands for the sole state of that being. The outer robe is supposed to represent not only a physical body, but a mental and spiritual one also. Though in the condition he, she would wish others to see him, her from a purely objective angle. The inner robe symbolises whatever self-state its wearer would wish to be seen from, an entirely inner viewpoint which is theoretically reachable only by divinity. And yeah, so that's the outer robe and the inner robe. Um, it's worth kind of dwelling on those ideas and doing some meditation on those concepts as well um, as you know these two powers of Hochma and Bina. And you can really kind of get deep within those concepts. Moving on, other items which are quite significant in terms of ceremonial clothing. Um, we obviously have the cord or the girdle. Normally in ceremonial uh, participants wear a robe and around their waist they have a cord which can be different colours depending on grades or experience or etc. And the belt or girdle really holds the robes together so the belt can be worn ritualistically at the end. So after the robe and the cap itself to sort of psychically seal the qualities of the robe and the headgear. It also obviously divides our lower and upper selves so it can be seen again as sort of like heaven and earth or you get obviously the concept from um you know the hermetica with uh, as above so below kabbalistically it represents venus and Netzach, and this kind of binding obligation of initiation and the self-imposed controls upon us by the discipline of magic and the great work and Often there is a specific type of knot in the cord so it's a kind of a reef knot or left over right then right over left and tied and this forms a hexagram or Solomon's seal which is the sign of truth and that is meant to be really the kind of central pivot and watch the whole equilibrium turn so again going back to this concept of the microcosm and the macrocosm and we are all in that space um. Also, I mean, you know, obviously with the cord, you get this concept of the sacred kings or the sacrificial kings who were traditionally bound to the altar to make sure they did not flinch. And I think there's also a connection there with flinching and the story of Gawain and the Green Knight. So the, the cord represents the wearer's willingness to sacrifice himself without flinching for the sake of his brethren or for service to humanity. It's also a symbol of the bond between all humans, I believe, as well. So a bond of the brotherhood or the order, etc., cetera, that's stronger than death. And it's kind of uniting each one of us and connecting each one of us via a big web. It also represents... Um, the ring pass knot, or kind of the magical circle of the individual. So it's kind of protecting you in a circle. And obviously, if you look into some of the more Solomonic traditions, they'll actually wear a lion skin belt, which is this concept of, you know, you're protected by a girdle made of a lion skin. Or you can also have a belt that has all the sacred names written on it. So it's almost like a magical circle that you are assuming by tying around your waist. So you're constantly surrounded by this protected, protective circle. Um they're usually different colours. Obviously, some orders it depends on different hermetic orders, etc., like that. Um, red is often symbolism of the initiate, and black, um, you know, in some orders is, is relation to the kind of lifetime of experience and service so it's this concept of the red turning black it's the same blood but it's it's become black through this lifetime of dedication and service and initiation ceremonies the cord is normally placed around this the candidate's head like an halter and they're only allowed to wear it on their waist when they're accepted moving on to the next item and this is the slippers or sandal. So this is often a, an item that is obviously you know it's got a practical element to it. So it's it's you know you wear wear slippers to ensure that you don't bring any dirt in from outside into the temple. But it also represents the magician's ability to walk upon planes other than the physical. Obviously, if we look back at our Kabbalistic studies, uh, sa- sandals are attributed to Yesod and also symbolise our intention of setting out on our spiritual path and the purpose of these is like in the material world we encounter stones we encounter rocks we encounter things that's going to hurt our feet etc and also slow us down and this gives us the ability to stand firm have a firm foundation and that's what you need just as you need firm foundation in the physical you need a firm foundation in, in the spiritual world as well If we think about um you know one of the first most important steps in a child's development is when they're learning to walk so they start to crawl and then they stand up and they walk and that's it's a similar type of thing the sandals are kind of giving us that power to and that foundation to enable us to walk obviously in, in mythology you hear lots of different um stories about you know magic shoes so you get like the seven-league boots, the winged sandals, Hermes, and the, you know, the purpose is all the same. So they kind of give you this extra extra power from that point of view. And it really signifies this journey from the beginning of our lives to the end on all levels. Another item that's often worn in uh, the Western Mystery tradition is the layman as well. Um, and a layman is a badge that's worn either on a ribbon around the neck or it could just be pinned onto your chest and usually made out of metal or parchment with various different symbols engraved upon it. The layman represents Malkuth and Tiferet, but it's also designed to constantly remind the magician of the work of illumination and the great work as well. And it's described quite nicely by John Michael Greer when he said the following in his Circle of Power book. The layman is a magical pendant or breastplate worn around the neck so that it hangs upon the breast over the heart. And so obviously thinking about why does it hang over the heart, this is really the dedication. So this is like our light and our dedication to service that we, that we wear on our chest. And it's really kind of showing that our personal intention is in line with our heart Um So, you know, you kind of get this combination of thinking, feeling and willing into that aspect of intention, into the heart and into Tiferet. It's a symbol of our kind of authority as well and a focus of the magical energies of the magicians that it's really almost like a a magical coat of arms, which is something that old um, Alistair Crowley talked about. In particular group work or lodge work, um layman's can often represent different offices and their functions um, and they also have more specialised aspects to them in the more traditional grimoire traditions so they kind of feature quite heavily for instance in the key of solomon and also the book of Abramelin, both mention layman's so for instance in Abramelin, i just wanted to quote quickly now the layman is used to invoke any good spirit must be made after the following manner, either in metal, comfortable or in new wax mixed with convenient spices and colours, or it may be made with pure white paper with convenient colours and the outward form of it may be either square, circular or triangular, or of the like sort. According to the rule of the numbers in which there must be written the divine names as well general as special. And in the centre of the layman draw a hexagon or a character of six corners. In the middle thereof write the name and character of the star, or of the spirit his governor, to whom the good spirit that is called his subject. And about this character let there be placed so many characters of five corners or pentacles as the spirits we would call together at once. But if we should only call one, Nevertheless, there must be made four pentagons, wherein the name of the spirit all spirits with their characters are to be written. Now this layman ought to be composed when the moon is in her increase, on those days and hours which agree to the spirits, and if we take a fortunate planet." So, as you can see, that's a very descriptive Concept of a layman, and it's it's almost like acting like a talismanic device from that point of view in terms of protecting the the wearer and being kind of sigil for his intention as well, which is also very relevant. Um, other items as well, which are relatively important. I'm not going to go into them in massive detail because I know we've covered quite a lot tonight. Is the cap or the headgear or the nemesis as it's called, sometimes. This is really a headpiece or it could be a crown that the magician wears and it symbolizes the magician's connection with the macrocosm and also important in terms of you know uniting the macrocosm and the microcosm together. Sometimes it's a full head dress or or sometimes it can just be a simple gold band engraved with specific symbols but it always represents this unity between microcosm and macrocosm. So just imagine yourself as a pillar and you are connected through this pillar, to the whole universe, through various symbols. So you must kind of, through these symbols, you're becoming a channel for other forces. Franz Barden said the following about the, the the cap or the headgear. The crown, cap, or magus band is a symbol of the dignity of the magician's authority. It is a symbol of the perfection of his spirit, a symbol of his relationship to the microcosm and macrocosm. The tiny and the great world, the highest expression of his magical power, serving him to crown his head. So, as you can see, the he he very much felt that it was extremely important from that point of view. So, it's worth you know playing around with that if that's something you're interested in. There are other items as well which are sometimes used in Western mystery tradition. So, you have things like the cuffs as well. Um, but um, yeah, I wanted—I don't really have time to cover all those today. Um, but we may do another episode on, on some of these kind of ceremonial clothing at some point. In our next episode, we will be talking about the magical ring of Solomon. So please do stay tuned. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Ockland podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. If anyone has any questions for me, then please reach out via Facebook or an email as I'd love to answer your questions. Also we really want to develop this further so I uh, really appreciate it if you can leave a review on iTunes or other platforms as that will mean more people can see it and hopefully get some value from this. Hope you've all enjoyed it and thanks so much. my Silver soul enshrined, Celestial silver with arms, starlight thread entwined. Rainbow Queen, Lady of my Dreams, casting spells like